This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Cause I'm TNT, I'm dynamite. TNT, and I will not fight. TNT, I'm a power load. Watch me Welcome to the Andrea K Show. It is Tuesday right here in San Diego, AM 1170 KCBQ. One of these days I am going to explode if I keep overeating on donuts. I'm going to explode like somebody stepped on a chocolate eclair filled with cream and it's squished out everywhere. (laughs) I will gladly eat them for you. I'll take that bullet. (laughs) Um, So, you know what? Speaking of donuts, you know, Tuesdays I always like to get into a little bit of business here on the show because... So, you know, obviously politics is like my main love, but isn't or aren't most political stories somehow related to the to the economics, to business, because that's really what the core of our, our country is is been based on. It's about f- not just freedom for the individual, but free enterprise, because there's something about the human condition and something about the American spirit that's about entrepreneurship. It's about business. And so I, I always get excited when I have a chance to talk about business and like a recent business craze across not just San Diego, but pretty much everywhere is like the gourmet happening donut. So, you know, I'm not the only donut lover out there. Dijon. So, and speaking of, uh, right, Dijon? Can you name a few places? Well, they're not paying me to name a few places, but. No, but I I need to go there after this. Okay. Well, I will, you know what? I will, you know, even though I'm not being paid to give them a little shout out on the show, I will tell you that there's some amazing donuts happening down at the donut bar in downtown. They've got a latte donut that's the size of your head. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's delicious. But even like their most basic donuts, my favorite, the old-fashioned, are absolutely amazing. Uh, Nomad's actually in North Park, which is by um, what actually a sponsor of the Andrea K Show. Actually, this amazing coffee company, Cafe Calabria. I sampled their coffee one night. Couldn't even believe how amazing it was when it was like two hours old and not even completely fresh, by the way. Uh, I've partnered with them to be actually the official coffee of the Andrea K Show. Best coffee everywhere. If you see me actually walking around with a Starbucks iced coffee, that's actually an old Starbucks cup that I kept and poured my Cafe Calabria over ice, okay? Because I am about Cafe Calabria. It's in North Park. If you're in San Diego, go there. They've also got an amazing food counter. They've got also a bar set up. It's just an incredible place. North Park's happening, baby. I don't know if you've been there, Dijon. North Park is happening. North Park is awesome, but so it's not Diet Coke anymore. They're not the official sponsor of the Andrea K Show. No, it's Cafe Calabria now. That's my power juice. North Park is incredible, though. I just went to the Carnitas Snack Shack the other day. Oh, did you? I haven't been there. Amazing. Yeah, I got to go there. So Nomads is also there. And what's cool about Nomads Donuts is that they're, and you you guys can order any of these peeps online, I'm sure. Uh, Nomads, what's amazing about them, definitely you can Cafe Calabria, and I encourage you to do that. Best coffee ever. 
uh, the 5 a.m. is my favorite. Uh, Nomads has some really cool, interesting flavor combinations, and they're all vegan. And believe it or not, they're delicious. Don't mock the vegan donut, man. It's amazing. Were they uber craveable flavor combinations? Oh, now we got another company in there. I'm digging Uber, by the way. Um, so we love business here on the Andrea K Show. And if it can be combined with a donut and, and great coffee like Cafe Calabria, man, I'm in heaven. Uh, and by the way, thank you for joining me here. Always a pleasure to share this time with you. AndreaKShow.com. Follow me on Twitter at AndreaKShow. I'm on Instagram. And I would love it if everybody, first of all, Post on Instagram. Follow me if you're not following me already on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me there because I love all y'all on Facebook. But also come to me on Twitter and Instagram. Please post to me any pictures of your fur babies on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram because I want to start including uh, Andrea K. Show fur babies on my website. And any donuts. I'm, I'm loving all the, I love following all the foodie people on Instagram and I would love to follow you there. So today's about business. I've kind of avoided um, some other topics. I woke up this morning, I even put it out there, speaking of Facebook and amazing peeps. I was like, finish this sentence for me. Another day, another dot, dot, dot. And across the board, the variety of responses, some responses were, and I'm going to hit one of these topics today because it is my day. I like to focus on business. Mike Vinia said, Focus on the minimum wage increase. I touched on it last week, but really didn't get into it as much as as I wanted to. We're going to get into that a little bit today because I'm hoping that we're going to be able to get into some more substance. That was something else that people said. They said another day, another primary, another day, another more back and forth insults with no discussion of actually how anybody's going to do anything to help the free market or anything from a policy standpoint. And that's something that's been particularly difficult for me is the constant nastiness and insults that's been going back and forth. Um, Not only is it bad in terms of the fact that it's damaging relationships out there, people are not friends anymore. And I'm not even just talking about social media friends, which sometimes aren't really friends. They're just people that, you know, happen to be a part of your Facebook list. But there's even like real personal friends in life that are like breaking up over this stuff. So not only has it gotten too nasty and it's actually damaging personal relationships, as I've said before, some people say nasty cells and mudslinging, you know, muds, not cells, but mudslinging works. I say it doesn't because I am hearing so many people tell me that it's a complete turnoff to them. Some people are saying they're completely getting to the point to where they're sick of it. They don't want to see any debates. They don't want to hear any more about it. It's not selling your guy. Speaking of business, y'all know I did a lot of careers in corporate sales. The the most important training ground I had for life and for sales was at Xerox Corporation. And one of the things, six weeks I spent in an incubator before I was even allowed to look at a, a prospective customer, let alone speak to one. And one of the things they taught us was that you never badmouth your competition. I can't imagine going into a prospect's office to sell my Xerox machine, seeing that they're looking at a Canon and Minolta, seeing those brochures on the desk, and wasting my hour sales call, calling them an idiot for even considering Canon and Minolta. I don't even know how anybody could even consider. How can you even support Canon or Minolta? I can't imagine continuing to insult that person's intelligence for even considering Canon or Minolta, and then wasting my entire hour telling them what a piece of crap Canon and Minolta is. If I could have even made it to the end of that hour before getting kicked out for insulting, personally insulting that decision maker, by the end of the hour, they would have said to me, well, I don't know if you've convinced me not to buy the Canon or not, but A, you've made me not like you, and B, you've given me no reason to buy the Xerox machine. It's nagging. 
It's what? Negging, I believe is the term. It, yeah, it's it's not working. All it's doing is tearing us apart. So I really, you know, tonight's the Wisconsin primary. I predict that uh, Cruz is going to win. I think that it doesn't really matter. You know, another day, another piece of news, uh, another peek behind the curtain of the shenanigans that is going on in our one-party system. Whether you like it or not, uh, the game is set up to subvert the will of the voters. People going around to these primaries tonight, people going to caucuses and all these places thinking their vote counts, only to find out that it really doesn't. Because whether it's through these delegates, these these picked people by the establishment, whether it's through them at pre-convention, state level, or at the convention themselves, the party is really picking our nominee for us. That's the bottom line. We can get into the fact that this state is a winner-take-all, this state's an open primary, this state's a caucus, this state's a primary. Uh, At the end of the day, look at Wisconsin. I think there's 40-something delegates there. The word on the street is, according to um, other reports, that at least 25 of them because I guess they're always non-committal until they get to the convention. But then some people say, well, actually, they're bound on the first vote to vote for Trump. Some are bound to vote for whoever they've been assigned for and others aren't. That At least 25 of these from Wisconsin aren't going to be bound to whoever the winner is. So, you know, they're up for grabs. Cruz has a much better ground game. Some people are upset and accusing him of stealing. That's Lou Dobbs is saying basically he's going around and taking these, you know, delegates from from Trump. I'm saying he's playing the game as it is. But that doesn't give Ted Cruz a pass for me. Because to me, knowing how to play the game tells me and that instead of Trump being the guy who's incompetent, that tells me that Trump is not the insider that the establishment wants us to believe he is, or he would know what this game is. He's been on the outside just because he's been given donations to campaigns doesn't mean that he's been on the inside because, oh, by the way, he's been given donations to both sides. He's been given donations and then going about his business every day as a businessman. He has not been maneuvering within the establishment or within D.C. at all at any of these levels. Ted Cruz has. In fact, this ground game that he's got is all establishment-based. Every one of them. In fact, I don't think I've shared this with the Andrea Casio listeners, but a top level, long entrenched establishment guy actually emailed me because he didn't like a certain tweet that a friend of mine put out calling him and Ted Cruz out for being establishment. Well, you know what? I, am I not or anybody else allowed to decide who's establishment and who's not and whether or not that's a value to be establishment or not? And I'm not going to tell anybody whether or not they should think it's a problem for the fact that, you know, Cruz has these establishment ties. That's who's running his ground game. That's for somebody else to decide. I actually do see value in somebody understanding how the process works, understanding how Washington works. I see value in that. What I don't see value in is a game that's being played against the voters by party officials. And now they're acting, oh, well, that's the game and that's the process. Sorry, Trump. Yeah, but at the same token, we can change the rules day one of the convention and basically do whatever we want to do. So my message is, whoever you support, whether it's Kasich or whether it's Cruz or whether it's Trump, the real issue is that we have a game. Yeah, we've got a game being played, and you can pat Cruz on the back of your your guy for playing that game well. But to me, I think the game stinks. And I don't care who your candidate is, the game stinks. And to me, it's more proof of why so many people 
are fed up with the establishment on both sides. We got all these Bernie Sanders people are saying, you know, hey, Bernie's not that far off from Hillary. If the superdelegates had decided to go with the will of the people because he's killing her in most of these recent general elections. You know, it's, it's party officials at both sides deciding to subvert the will of the voters. And this year is the year in which people have said, you know what, it's the establishment of both parties together that have led us to $20 trillion in debt. It's both parties together, all these same leaders that are doing all these game playing at the state level and at the conventions with the delegates in order to control the nominee process and to handpick their people are the same people that have failed us win in office. These are the people responsible for $20 trillion in debt. These are the people responsible for the open borders that have allowed a flood of illegals, not just from the southern border, but through the the virtual border of the visas. Uh, This is is the same people that have allowed us socially and culturally to be completely destroyed. We've got some other stories to get into today um, involving more stories coming out of college campuses. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a result. There's repercussions. Yeah, elections have consequences. And the consequences are being felt just not just economically in this country, but culturally in this country. The transformation that President Obama talked about in 2008 has been completely enabled by a Republican Party that has sat back and let not just $20 trillion in debt be amassed, not just the open border and the illegals coming here to, to hurt us economically and to do us damage through terrorism, but also the cultural damage that's been done to America. The Republican Party may, has completely enabled President Obama with that. So we're going to get into a little bit of that today, a little bit more in terms of some other stories surrounding that basic principle. I've got a great guy who's going to be on the show with me today who I met last week, and we just had so much fun at a cigar shop. And uh, have you been to Grand Havana? Down I have not. Oh my gosh, so fun. And I just had a great time talking to him about wage, uh, about the the minimum wage increase and some other business topics. And he just had such a way about him in terms of using illustrations and, and pictures to kind of make what's typically some dry topics seem more interesting and more fun. So uh, Kalyan Pokola is going to be here with us in a little bit. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we've got more Andrea K. Show on the other side of the break. Stay with me. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Want to start living better, longer? Levita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, Levita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at levitarx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657-333. Miramar Kitchen and Bath. 
convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. show glad to have you here with me another day another primary another day more people fighting and carrying on when we really need to be focused on policy we need to be focused on on what's going on here that and it's not just policy not just identifying what's wrong but identifying some things that we can do to make things a little bit better that's really what the republican party should be focused on instead of all this infighting And we really need somebody who's going to be willing to not just say right now on the campaign trail about what they're going to be doing. And actually, a lot of people said that Trump hasn't been specific about what he's going to do to solve the problems. We're going to get into a little bit of that in terms of uh, people said, oh, he says that Mexico is going to pay for the wall. How's that? How's he going to make that happen? Well, we actually have some details about that. We're going to talk about that. Uh, We're also going to talk about um, the need to change our culture back to what it was supposed to be about. And it's never been perfect. It's never been a perfect culture, but it's been the best culture in the world. It's created the great amount of prosperity for the greatest number of people. And one of the, one of the ways that the Republican Party, all the candidates, the party establishment, that needs to be blown up so that they don't continue to subvert the will of the voter like, they've, like they have been doing, either in office or through these election games, But we need to go inside, we need to get inside, we need to blow up the party because we need them to help restore America back to what it was about. Not a perfect country, but it was about liberty for the individual and that includes liberty for the business. Free market enterprise, that's what it's about. And no, the Republican Party, they're so busy fighting with each other over wife gate, whether or not somebody tweeted an ugly picture of a wife or whether or not somebody tweeted a beautiful picture of a wife. Meanwhile, we've got this guy, Bernie Sanders. I put on my Facebook wall video clips of him praising the Russian system where people are having to wait in line for bread. That's who's gaining steam in this country. That's one reason why I want to talk about business on Tuesdays. Because that's what's at stake here for America. That's where they want to take us. So we need candidates on the Republican side to be talking about not just the issue, but putting forth solutions, talking about how they're going to get it done, stop destroying each other, stop destroying the brand in the process. We've got to, we've got to, to turn the tide around. We've got to redirect this ship, this Titanic of anti-Americanism that's been going on in this country so that people can get back to loving it, even though it's imperfect. You know, as family members, I talked at the beginning of the show about how people are destroying their relationships over this stuff. Aren't we supposed to love each other unconditionally? So why are we letting a difference of opinion with politics destroy relationships? It's kind of that way with America. No, it's not perfect, but it's the greatest system that has provided the greatest economic opportunity for for the greatest number of people in the world. We're a brand new little country, and it's provided you know, so much money and resources and time. We have devoted so much treasure and blood around the world. We need to be celebrating that, and we need we need the Republican Party to get back on board with that. 
I got a disturbing story. And joining me for the rest of the show is a guy I was telling you guys about before the break. He and I met at Gran Havana with my gal, Elisa Brent, last week. We had so many laughs. He's just got such an ability to talk about business topics in a way that's fun and engaging and entertaining because it can be so dry. You know, I mean, nobody wants to sit and talk about you know, curves and supply side versus, you know, demand side economics. I mean, it makes you want to jab yourself in the eyeball with a pen. But he's a guy who can actually help us talk about these business topics in a way that that keeps it interesting. And of course, I had to start talking the show about business, about donuts, because, you know, hey, you know, if you're going to get into free enterprise, why not make it yummy? Uh, Cal Yon, welcome to the Andrea K Show. Uh, thanks for having me. So um, before we get into some of the business topics, like uh, the minimum wage increase that Mike Vinia, one of my listeners, and many people are concerned about, um, during the break, we were talking about a story that came out here from California, so much craziness out here in California. We've got what's supposed to be this incredibly reputable college uh, situation, the Claremont Colleges in Claremont, California, high-end think tanks. It's kind of like the West Coast little boutique, little Ivy League situation, And they have decided to object to, I guess, Madeleine Albright was picked to be a commencement speaker. And they decided that she wasn't up to snuff for them and that they were rejecting her because she is white, basically. In fact, the quote is, it's an all-female school. And one of the students says, just out of curiosity, does anyone know how many people of color we've had as a guest commencement speaker at Scripps? She goes on to say, basically, that... um, that Madeleine Albright is a white feminist with and a repeated genocide enabler because she supported military in- intervention in the Balkans as Secretary of State and didn't jump in to stop the genocide in Rwanda in her time at the UN. And while those may be valid criticisms of her in terms of you know foreign policy involvement, why not just leave it there? Why did they have to? Why did they have to try to say anything about her skin color? Well, I, when I first read this, at first I wanted to come to her defense, uh, you know, because basically, I mean, to say that, that you don't want a commencement speaker because she's an old white woman, that's outrageous. And I wanted to come to her defense and then I realized that she's a part of the system out there that's encouraging this. This is what's been taught in our schools. No, these college kids aren't victims. You know, they have a brain of their own. They shouldn't be racist against white people. But they're just coming out of a system that's told them that. They're coming out of a system that's been telling them for, for since they were in preschool, let alone kindergarten, that America's bad. It's basically a racist nation. White Americans are supposed to apologize for being white. And, you know, it's all about white privilege. So really, she's just reaping what she's sowing. Because this is what she's... Done. And yesterday on last night's Andrea K. Show, I was talking about the, the why, criticizing the Republican Party for joining in this identity politics game. The American people, yes, we have an imperfect background, but come on, we are not a fundamentally racist nation. I didn't own any slaves. You didn't own any slaves. By and large, right now, we are not a nation. I, I, I am never going to apologize for being white. What does that do to help us? All that does is we've got the left dividing people into neat little categories and telling people that they're victims. And these people, these college students have bought into that. Now, Kaylon, during the break, you were saying that there's many reasons to dislike Madeleine Albright, but being white isn't one of them, right? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, uh, Madeleine Albright has a lot of issues in her past. Uh, you could be conservative or liberal and have a big problem with Madeleine Albright. 
I think from the liberal perspective, I, I think the most interesting thing about it was these Scripps uh, college graduates or graduates to be were so upset about Madeleine Albright being picked. And uh, yet Madeleine Albright's the same lady, what, a month ago, two months ago, basically said that if you were a woman and you weren't voting for Hillary Clinton, then uh, you were basically a traitor to your gender. Right. Uh, basically saying that Bernie Sanders shouldn't be your pick because he's male. Right. So now they've, I mean, now they've swapped it and said, what, that we shouldn't pick Madeleine Albright because she's somehow racist because she stopped genocide in the Balkans, but right. not in Rwanda. I mean, I guess, I guess only right. stopping half the genocide is some, some somehow bad. Right. Well, this is identity politics at its absolute worst. President Obama was supposed to heal the racial divisions, but the reality is, is that the left is all about continuing to divide and continuing to foster the divide and foster hate among the people. Because if they can do that, and if they can categorize, since they label the Republicans as the party of old white people, which clearly it's not when you look at Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, the reality is, is it, that helps them gain power. When they convince these certain different groups that they're victims, and we've got the conservatives playing that same gender card right now with women. You talk about women. We've got conservatives saying that, um, you know, a vote for Trump is basically, you know, anti-woman, that he's a woman hater, and they don't realize that that's basically continuing the narrative against the entire Republican Party. That doesn't help you, Ted Cruz, to continue to say that Trump is a woman hater, just like it doesn't help you, Ted Cruz, to be on one show, I don't even know what it was last night, basically accusing Trump of being a racist and playing the race card on him, because according to you, Ted Cruz, he didn't denounce the KKK as quickly or in the manner in which you think he should. That is to, for the conservatives to go down the rat hole, the stinking rat hole of hate that is identity politics and to foster hate, not just among Americans, but within your own party is despicable to me. And I don't care who's doing it. I don't care if it's done on the right or if it's done on the left. We need to knock it off. And I'm not hearing that from some people. That's one of the reasons why you cruise people are out there saying that, you know, Trump's maxed out at 40 percent, 60 percent don't want Trump. Well, I'm seeing 20 something solid percent for Kasich that ain't going Cruz's way either. So maybe Cruz, he's really good at playing this ground game and really going around at courting the delegates. He's running saying that he's the guy against the Washington cartel while he's sitting back like Don Vito having his, you know, uh, neighborhood guys, his big Vinnies going around and spending money courting all these delegates. Meanwhile, while he's fostering and playing the identity uh, politics game, and I'm not even hearing that from Kasich. So that's, the, you know, we've got Americans that don't feel safe anymore about white around white people. That don't want how far we have allowed our country to sink, Calyon. That we now are in that position. Well, I think that if you look at the difference between the two candidates, uh, the, well, three candidates. Sorry, my apologies to Mr. Kasich, <laughs> uh, to Governor Kasich. Let's be as honorific as possible. But the big deal in politics and primary game is that almost every single candidate in these primaries today are cut from the same cloth. They have. 95 to 98% of the same values, and they say the exact same things. So how did they differentiate themselves? Trump does it with his ego. He shows that I'm different because I'm willing to just spout off about anything, anything and everything. And Cruz, for a long time, has been trying to say, well, I'm a Harvard lawyer. I'm a genius. Oh, God, he'll tell you he's a genius till the end of days. But what he doesn't do is he wasn't doing a good enough job of differentiating himself from Trump. 
And so what he's decided to do is do it by insulting Trump or, and Trump, Trump just insults everybody, but that's just right. part of his ego. That's not, that's not his game plan. But Cruz is having so much trouble differentiating himself from Trump, which I find baffling. You're a Harvard Law graduate. You know, you've come from, you've come from nothing, you know, right. you know, you've come from a, a modest background, a Canadian background. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come and, on now. Uh, I'm going to get lots of haters calling me. Oh, uh, come on. It's funny, though. I know it but is. But he comes out of nowhere. He's a guy. Ted Cruz is such a smart man that uh, Alan Dershowitz, who is one of the liberal icons for, for law, right, basically said Ted Cruz is the smartest student he's ever had. Okay? Oh, he's brilliant legally. Okay. But then, how, if, he, if he's so brilliant legally, why, and he's such a brilliant debater, why can't he show to you or me or just the average American man or woman that he's a better candidate than Donald Trump. Because right. if he can't come up with the idea, maybe he doesn't believe he's a better candidate than Donald Trump. Well, that's and that's a really good point because I started the show by talking about sales. And one of the reasons why it does not work in a sales game, and that's what campaigns are. In fact, we used to call them our sales campaigns at, at, at Xerox. One of the reasons why it doesn't work is not only you, if you're insulting a decision maker and the voters, the Trump supporters are decision makers, just like the Cruz supporters. That's one reason why I try to not level personal attacks or insults against anybody for, for their beliefs, because I believe that everybody's opinion deserves to be respected and not be personal insulted even if I disagree with them. It also doesn't work from a sales standpoint. You you cannot insult the decision maker and then think that you're going to win them over to your side. And on top of it, it makes them suspicious because if I'm wasting all my time telling somebody who's looking at a, you know, a sharp machine, everything bad about the sharp, but I can't give them one good reason about, about my machine, they're going to go, well, okay, maybe you've talked me out of buying the sharp, but you haven't talked me into buying the Xerox. Maybe now I'm going to go look at a Canon. And I think that's one reason why Kasich has actually built some momentum because Cruz was not really giving people a reason to vote for him. And on top of it, you know, I think that um, if the only way that Cruz can win, his supporters right now are patting him on the back for the fact that he's got this great ground game going on. But to me, in terms of courting delegates, if the only way that you can win is playing the establishment game with establishment people behind the scenes, I, I, you know, subverting the will of the voters, you know when you're going into Arizona with your team to a state that, that one, where the voters on the ground rejected you, but you're going around them to those delegates on the ground and whining and dining them and saying, hey, come vote for me, da, 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 da. Basically, okay, maybe, you know, maybe I'm going to hat tip to you for the fact that you're playing the game well, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm going to say there's something wrong when the only way that you can sell yourself is to the party insiders and not to the people on the ground. Well, I completely agree with you. You look at um, John Kasich uh, and you look at the governor of Ohio. It's a purple state. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's gone both ways recently. And he's not very moderate. I mean, on a lot of positions. Okay. Right. Especially on women's reproductive rights, etc. But he has a calm demeanor and he has a pragmatic voice that he will negotiate and make deals with the other side. And no one really wants to hear that when you're on John Kasich's side. But the realist has to understand that's how things actually get done. Right. And he's the only candidate who even rem remotely sounds pragmatic who's left of the three candidates. Well, what and why isn't he not getting more pop why isn't he getting more support? Well, the reason why he's not getting more support is a couple of reasons. First of all, he only actually because he continued to hang around, he only actually 
um, continue to get some momentum when the fighting got so bad. Remember the debate where the hands... Uh, where I got, try to forget. Oh it. my gosh, it was so bad. That's when people were even starting to go. And you know what? It, this is why I'm telling people: knock off with the personal insults. It's a turn off to people. You're not selling your guy. You're just aggravating people. You're making and by tra- and by uh, um, transference, you're not only not selling your guy. You're making me dislike your guy. And that's one reason why Kasich actually started having people look at him. But it, the reason why he's not getting more and more traction is because number one, people don't think that he's got a legitimate pathway, and they don't want somebody to get the nomination around the people. They want it to be somebody who's getting the popular vote. Now, this has shown a light on the fact that most voters had no idea ultimately how a nominee gets 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 the nomination. They actually thought it was through the popular vote, and it's actually not. And now that people understand it, they don't like it. They don't want somebody becoming the nominee who didn't win the popular vote, but only got it because either the establishment uh, went to the delegates and picked or some candidate who couldn't win enough popular votes went to these insiders behind the scenes and started sweet-talking them. And it makes you wonder, really, it, what's what, what's going on in these conversations? If you're sweet-talking a delegate and you want to tell me that's the game and I need to go along with it, then you open me up to those conversations. You record those and you put those out publicly so that I know exactly what you're saying as a candidate to them. Because I, I because I'm not, I don't have any trust with any of these backroom deals that are going on because that's the kind of stuff that led us to John Roberts approving Obama care when he was supposed to be, you know, this uh, constitutional purist, and then he throws us all to the wolves with Obamacare. You know, it's the kind of stuff that's led them to completely betray us and sign the omnibus bill in 2015 and fund everything for Obamacare. Well, I think that you just, you know, you hit on a lot of good points. With John Kasich, I think that in almost every primary cycle, we look at on either side, each party looks at who's electable. Okay, in a general election. So we might hold our nose, but we vote for the guy or the woman who can actually get elected as president of the United States. Because in the end, that's the that's the goal, right? Mm-hmm. That's the that's the pie in the sky. That's the dream. Okay. And this cycle has been one of the most interesting from a moderate standpoint that I've ever seen because the liberals are trying to convince uh, the ultra liberals that Bernie Sanders is not electable in a general election, right. and the right wing of the conservative party has said, "You know what? Let's blow it all up because we don't care who you know. We're not going to go with Romney because this is the mistake we made before. We picked a guy who was there was clean cut and he didn't offend anybody, and he got stomped by Obama. Right. Okay, and this time." I feel like they're going too far in a reaction to that because John Kasich is far and away the best option in a general election. Oh, are you kidding me, Cal? Yeah. Agreed. Lord have mercy. I can't even believe you. We got to take a break. Oh, I got to recover during a break for that. In a general election. That's all I'm saying. Oh my gosh, Cal Okay, we got to take a break. We come back. We're going to talk more with Cal We're going to get into some of these business topics. Air France, the the flight attendants are saying they don't want to be forced to cover when they're going to Iran. They've got their their individual liberties at stake. Trump says how he's going to build the wall. We're going to talk about that. And uh, we're going to talk about these Panama Papers. What the heck is going on in Panama? Stay tuned. we got more America of uh, Andrea K. show on the other side of the break. I started to say America Trends. Want more Andrea K.? 
Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K-A-Y-E. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego-style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. Do you struggle with the day-to-day management of your business? Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today, 877-749-3533. Fresh Healthy Vending, the nation's largest healthy vending company, is looking for locations in this area to place its latest innovation. A fresh, healthy micromarket at absolutely no cost to your business. A fresh, healthy micromarket is like a mini health food store for your office break room. Choose from breakfast meals, fresh salads, wraps, hot meals, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more, all at a convenient self-checkout kiosk. Now you can offer your employees exactly what they want. All natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micromarket generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrew K Show. Glad to have you. I'm kind of a modern day warrior in a sense. I'm, I'm even kind of wearing a little military style jacket today. That's who I am. Hey, I am so pleased to have with me on the show tonight, Kalyan Pokola from Pokola Law, who's here. He said something outrageous, though. I met him last week. I was like, I got to have him on my show because he is just brilliant. I just love how how he how he explains things and thinks about things. We got some business topics to get into. He said something outrageous, though. He said to me he thought Kasich could win in the general election. I said that he had the best chance of winning the general election of these three guys. Well, let me tell you why I think you're wrong. Now, you said during the break it was because you thought he was the most likable, correct? I said that he is the most likable. I didn't say he's the most likable because he's the most likable. I just said there are two things. They're exclu- they're not mutually exclusive. Interesting. Well, I think that the reason why I disagree with you is I think that in some ways he is the most likable because he has not been as insulting, which has become a real turnoff to people. I think what you said, though, going into the break, which and might have been even during the break, was about Trump being not about insulting just to be mean or insulting for insult's sake, that he's ego-driven. And I think that the, one of the reasons why it's gone outside the rules and the establishment's been scratching their head, how can this guy be saying all this stuff and the voters still, you know, staying with him, is because I think the voters kind of get that. I think they kind of get that he really is a man of good heart and that um, uh, I saw a flinch over there. But that what they really but what they really care about right now is they care about the immigration issue, 
being a number one issue because Kate Steinle, you know, we've got the, the San Bernardino terrorist attack. We've got we've got an issue with illegal immigration going on in this country from an economic standpoint, from a national security standpoint. We've got twenty trillion dollars in debt, and I don't think the American people care anymore whether or not we have a president. As long as he can solve those issues, I don't think America cares anymore whether our president is somebody who says everything so perfectly each time. In fact, I think what they're saying is they're rejecting the slick talking politician who says all the right things on the campaign trail and is perfectly presidential and then he gets into office and does nothing. Well, I think that with Donald Trump, when I said it was about ego, I said that he's not saying it to be mean. He's saying it because his ego drives that decision-making process in his brain that he feels like, oh, I'm going to insult this guy because I can, because he has the ego and he feels like it actually identifies, like you said, he sounds like the common man. He's not trying to sound perfect. Right. But the problem is, is this is just talk. Okay. Insulting, insults, ego, all of it's talk. So right. I'm looking forward to hearing uh, what you have to say and your thoughts about uh, what, what, Trump's, you know, Trump's ideas. Well, yeah. And in, in getting back to Kasich, though, I think one of the reasons why Trump also is risen to the top and a lot of people are still supporting him and why they why they aren't supporting Kasich is Kasich represents what's already failed. A strategy in the past that's failed in general elections in 2008 and in 2012, which was the middle of the road, moderate. We were told we can't win with a conservative. We can't win with this. It was the establishment telling us the rules of the road and the kind of candidate we have to have the only guy who can win. And to me, that's Kasich. He's the middle of the mode road moderate. He's, you know, all of his quote successes that he talks about back in the day were from the nineties, which were really more had to do with Newt Gingrich and his contract with America. He just represents more of the same. And in fact, the, one of the things that we know, and we'll have time tomorrow to dissect all the exit polls coming out of Wisconsin tonight, but the number one issue that why Trump rose to the top was immigration and terrorism. 70-something percent of the American people coming out of every exit poll, Kalyan, said that they agreed with Trump when he wanted a temporary ban on Muslims coming here and a refusal to bring any refugees here. We had Ted Cruz in 2014 arguing to bring Syrian refugees here. Now he's equivocating. He's saying no refugees from terrorist countries that have ISIS has a significant portion of control. What? I don't, you know, American people are rejecting that kind of lawyerly, no offense to lawyers, equivocation. <laughs> None taken. They want somebody to do what you're saying. So Trump comes on immigration. So let me, so, can, I, can I say one thing just yeah, real quick? Yeah, then I want one, to talk his Kasich, plan to pay for the wall. Yeah, Kasich, uh, you know, he appears to be more moderate. I think he's technically, if you look at, if you look at the issues, he's more conservative than Donald Trump. Well, and I he, think it and depends on the issue. And he hasn't changed his opinion Flip-flop, flip-flop, flip-flop as he's trying to get more electable. John Kasich has just been the same man. That's the true. Easygoing, yeah, that easygoing amnesty, guy. that easygoing amnesty guy that wants to, you know, you know, continue to keep million and allow millions to come here and, you know, siphon us off economically. Here's Trump's plan to pay for the border. He says that he would uh, change the rules under the Patriot Act anti-terrorism law to cut off the portion of the funds that are sent to Mexico through money transfers known as remittances. And that um that that the threat would be withdrawn if Mexico made a one-time payment of five to ten billion to pay for the border wall. And you know what? He's right. It is kind of an easy decision because what is happening here, and I know this from personal experience here in this border town, the the illegals that come here by themselves, fathers and grandfathers with families of many people down there that work here, 
in the shadows and all the money isn't coming here, it's staying here in the economy. It's all going to Mexico. And that is an absolute fact. And he says, and now not all of that money, the supposed 25 billion being sent home, not all of it is from people here. Some of that includes living abroad. But the fact of the matter is a huge amount of money is going back to Mexico into their economy. And that's why Mexico has a southern border on Guatemala. But as an open one here, and Trump was right that they're sending their people here, we have a right to have a border. We, When we're $20 trillion in debt, we have a right to say, you know what? We can't continue to fund this. We can't continue to have our emergency rooms, uh, all of our entitlement programs. When we have Democrats down there actually soliciting to bring illegals here by offering them welfare and other types of, of programs to bring them here, it's a problem. Some people are saying that... You know, he can't really do this, it, you know, it, because of legal stuff. Um, but you know what? Um, I think he can do it. And, you know, uh, he says, first things first, what would happen is, of course, day one, he says Mexico would say no. He says then day two, two um, he says he would issue a warning on day one. Day two, Mexico would protest. He says that, you know, he's basically done also a lot. He says then bas- basically Mexico would end up acquiescing. And I think that they might. To, to get the funds going back in. You're a lawyer. Um, you know that it's going to end up in court. Um, but he says that there's a code of federal regulations um, that sets the standard for financial, financial institutions. And he says that that provision makes it possible for the executive branch to issue detailed regulations on the subject. You know what? Re- you know, hey, I, I say, you know what? I kind of like it. I kind of like it. One of the arguments that I've had against Cruz is if he is truly the strict constitutionalist that he is, and would never do anything by executive order other than repeal the ones that are already in place. He's dealing with a Congress that's already rejected him that he can't lead. What's he going to get done for the American people? I'm not a fan of the executive orders, but you know what? Maybe maybe it's time that we play, you know, if you're going to, if, if the conservative party is going to act like liberals when it comes to insulting each other and playing the identity politics game, then maybe we need to act like liberals when it comes to getting something done in Washington. Business story that's come out, Kalyan, um, about Air France. Yeah. I'm really torn on this story. The flight attendants are saying they don't want to be forced to cover when they fly to, to Tehran because they're saying that they've got individual freedoms. I believe in the right of the business owner to say, if you want to work for me and you want to be a flight attendant, your flights are going to involve going to Tehran, and I've got a right to tell you how to dress. Just like I think a business owner has a right to tell somebody that they can't cover if they come to their place of employment. Where am I wrong? You're a business I, lawyer. I mean, I completely agree with you, actually, 100%. Uh, Air France has been doing flights to Saudi Arabia for decades, and all of their flight attendants cover up for the, for these flights. So exactly. Well, why- let me correct that though. They they cover up in the, I think it's the uh, not the uh, the abaya, which is the full cover. But they don't have to wear the face cover like in right. Saudi Arabia. But they are wearing the full the full dress. Well, I think the more important thing was that I think they were upset that they had to, they couldn't wear skirts and they had to now wear pants and be more uh, to be more modest. And for me, I feel like this is actually really a union issue. I think the union the, for the Air France uh, flight attendants is trying to drum up some sort of, you know, a chit to be used, a political um, bargaining chip to be used later because Probably. Uh, that's what it's really about. Uh, if you look at Saudi Arabia, their flights, if they're covered up there, then why is it a big deal for them being covered up going to Tehran? Maybe they just don't want to go to beautiful uh, exotic Tehran. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. And, but the biggest issue I had wasn't that they didn't want to wear it. Uh, it was that the union leader said that 
he wanted these flight attendants to have the right to refuse to go to Tehran. Yes. And they're going, "Uh, you know what? I'm an employer. I tell my employee where to go. And they go. Right. That's your job. Yeah. And I know that there's going to be people listening to be like, Andrea, you are always against radical Islam and all that. I am. But I'm, I'm also for free enterprise. And I think what's happening in France is France is we're pushing back against their own mistakes of having an open border and a flood. What we what where we're going to be 10 years from now, if we don't get our head around and, and stop import, importing into a culture that won't assimilate. So they imported a culture that wouldn't assimilate, put them in outlying areas, and then they, you know, continue to expand and grow and demand. Us, you know, accommodations for them. France pushed back and said, "You know what? We're going to outlaw head covers." So, the, so what's going on is, is you've got a, the, the the French people saying, "We don't want pushing back against Islam." Is what's going on, and it's carrying over into the workplace. In fact, um, a, a union, um, another union, the UNAC. Uh, wrote a letter. Lawrence Rosignol complained about the headscarf order. It was really the headscarf that they were rejecting. Ms. Rosignol herself describes herself as a feminist and modern vision of the family. And she says women who wear veils or Islamic headscarves were like, quote, this is not coming from me, Negroes who supported slavery. So, you know, I, I do think she must have a lot of experience with that issue. Uh, well, you know, are you being facetious? Or I'm being very facetious. Well, right. I mean, you know, I, again, you know, I don't like any kind of playing the card, but I do think that um, I, I'm torn on this issue because I do think that 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 cultures have a right to not force an accommodation on, onto them into society. But when you're going there, if your job is to go to these countries. Then, you know, just like I don't want anybody to come here to America, Muslim or otherwise, and tell us that we have to change and become, you know, Polynesia or whatever, I'm not going to go there and tell them that they have to to do something different. So that's kind of where I stand on the business end. I'm for free enterprise. I'm on and, the same page. And I'm for employers having an at-will situation, and I'm for employers having the right to, you know, hire who they want and, and fire who they want for whatever reason. Yeah. That's and for I me. Mean- if you're a flight attendant and you are paying dues to this union, do you want them to fight for more money for you? Or do you want to fight for to not wear a headscarf for a four-hour flight right. or have to wear pants? Right. I'm sorry. Just maybe it's coming from my personal perspective, but I, I'd rather have better better pay right. and better benefits than for my union to waste time fighting over headscarves. Right. Well, and I would that I don't want anybody to think I'm not pro union at all, by the way. I've never worked for a union. I've never I, I prefer actually being in a position to where I'm able to negotiate my own contracts. I'm able to be rewarded for myself. I don't want the person next to me making the same amount of money for me, um, guaranteed to make the same amount of money for me, because then what's the incentive for me to work hard? Where why would I? Why am I gonna bust my butt? It's like when I my first job out of college I was number four in the nation in sales, but because I was on a salary and bonus, I was paid the same amount as somebody who was number 25. You know, I'm thinking, what am I doing busting my hump for, for here? And it's the same thing with this minimum wage increase stuff. You know, it's, it's basically, it's a guarantee of, of too much money in some ways. I get that, you know, 50, the minimum wage that we have isn't enough to support a family, but what are you doing trying to for, support a family on an entry level gig? You know, I don't think it solves a problem. Dang it. We only have two minutes left. Okay. So let's just hit this as quickly as I can. One, uh, the entry-level gig, the problem is it used to be an entry-level gig, but now today's economy has been so battered and devastated that people are college graduates. They have master's degrees. 
and they're working entry-level jobs because they need something to feed their family. Well, then should the solution be to fix what's wrong with the economy and why those college grads or you know aren't able to get work in their field? Maybe maybe we need to have fewer college grads getting getting degrees in women's studies that can't be used oh, anywhere. Oh, absolutely. I mean, but when I also look at it from the business attorney standpoint, and I have my clients who are worried about this, the interesting thing is if you're one of those, the biggest issue for me is that it's just going to be all-encompassing all over California. And when I feel like it and I look at the certain areas like San Diego, San Diego businesses might be able to f- afford these increases. But when you're thinking about El Centro, how oh, do you think yeah. an El Centro business is going to all of a sudden be able to afford this this increase? Now, at least they're doing it in phases and they're giving the possibility for the governor to be able to slow the speed down in which they're increasing the right. minimum wage. but. There's got to be a better way. Right. And and I well, I think the better way to solve the problem is it's a Band-Aid. And, and the issue is, just like here in California, which we talked about last week, the manufacturing that's going south of the border and everywhere, there's a reason for that. Not And the reason is not just the president CEOs are dirtbag, it jerks. It's because the cost of business and the regulations that are strangling business. You free that up. You give an incentive for somebody to start a company and to hire people. You increase, therefore, the number of jobs in America. And then the company will have to offer more money as an enticement to hire good people. That's the solution. The solution isn't while the economy is still down in the doldrums to try to take more money from the same people that are struggling to keep their businesses open in the first place. I'm out of time here um, but uh, on these topics, but obviously Kalyan is like cool and knows what he's talking about with business, not necessarily in who should be the nominee for the Republican Party in terms hey of John Kasich. Uh, but uh, go to his website or contact him if you want any information on business law. Uh, it's He's Cal Yon Pokola and it's pokolalaw.com P-O-K-O-L-A L-A-W P-O-K-A-L-A P-O-K I can't even read my own writing. P-O-K-A-L-A L-A-W.com. Awesome. Okay. Um, we didn't get to one topic, but I'd, I'd just throw it out there. One of the things that is happening is, and it's not really anything for deep discussion, but what I found interesting is that $19 billion, huge increase has been spent in fintech, which is financial technology, basically to replace people with robots as, and you know what, it's, I can't remember the term, uh, destructive um, you know, which is basically a term for, it's been a long time since I studied economics, but basically it means that creative destruction, it means that as new ideas come about, other old methods and, and things become obsolete. So, you know, um, 30% of banking jobs are going to go by the wayside in the next coming years because of financial technologies that have made it to where, you know, you can make a deposit now on your phone Well, you need to go into the teller. So it's gone from using, used to having drive-in bank tellers to where you'd sit in your car to then you don't have the drive-in, you got to go in the bank bank to now pretty soon we may not even have you know bank em- employees well it's like the terminator right it's like skynet slowly but surely humans are being replaced by robots and if you don't trust robots and i don't and i like walking in a bank and shaking hands with my teller mm-hmm. well i can't shake hands with her now through the thick glass right but i mean i smile at her and she smiles back at me and right. i hand her my checks right and they get deposited and i like that personal touch uh. but people are getting rid of that right and they want they want to save money and like yeah. you said Enterprise. Speaking of robots, you know, we talked about one yesterday, a celebrity looking robot. I got lots of interesting comments from people as to what celebrity they would want as a robot and what they would want it to do. Y'all keep it PG. All right. Hey, thanks for listening to The Andrea K Show. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K Show. My website is andreakshow.com. I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Kalyan Pokola, pokolalaw.com. Amazing guy. Thank you for being here. Thanks so for much. having me, Andrea. All right. I y'all. appreciate it. All right. Have a great night, everybody. Love you all. Here come bad news. 
disconnect 